Hello, welcome to uh, Skill Check, the gaming well-being uh, podcast uh, from YMCA Exeter. Indeed, it's uh, episode 29, I believe it is, um, hosted by uh, myself and Andy, not Zach, and Zach. Oh my days. No, I'm Andy. <laughs> Guys, it's just, it's, it's one of those days. We all oh. have them, and this happens to be one of them. 29? I think we said it was 29. Yeah, 29 episodes. It is episode 29. Or, no, hold on a second. We did an episode zero. I guess technically then it is episode 30. This is the 30th time we've done this. And I like to think I've marked the occasion with the worst intro ever. Well done. Thank you. Very and, much. and I think, and I think, if anything, it, that's appropriate um, because I feel like we're at a place now where we have less and less technical issues. So then, our both our subconsciouses have to balance that out with um, other complicated issues like not being able to put a sentence together or talking about something completely unrelated. So we balanced it out. So our brains uh, realized that we have less technical problems than we used to have, which used to be the thing that would always go wrong. Indeed. However, now that it doesn't do that, where our brains are subconsciously overcompensating because they they know it, it can't be too good, so they they they're, they're now sabotaging ourselves through speech and not knowing what to say and those kinds of things. Not that we ever did, just that you know. It's the um, not merits. What's the word I'm looking for? It's the dangers. It's the um, interesting side effects of recording. Uh, a podcast as well it's not as live is it it's basically recorded live yeah and we don't over edit it i think that's the biggest takeaway is that because we have to record it the way we do we do one big chunk of audio because it's the Mm. easiest way uh, when it's attached to a video is to know when it starts and finishes and so we really only get one take and that's it and well yeah, yeah, that's it. I, I mean, I think I've only really edited this twice. And one of those yeah. occasions we went off on such a random ramble of weirdness and mm. it was just horrible, Zach. So I just went, you know what? See you later. Quite here. We're a bit quiet there. This bit in between those two bits can go away. And uh, had no bearing at all whatsoever. Hmm. So, so, so we, so you know, this, that's just the reality. And the reality is that today, this week, we were a bit short on ideas for doing kind of overly creative things with the topic and what we're going to talk about. So, we've fallen back on that trusted age-old formula that today we will be looking at gaming-related news stories in the last kind of couple of weeks. And we're just going to chat about them and see what we think about them and hopefully see what you think about them. And I like, to think live, but, you know. this, Zach. I like to think there is yeah. a place for that people can come along to, can listen, can get up to date on gaming news and information and get on yeah. the bill. Every few episodes, we do an episode like this. Yeah. Yes. Uh, where should we start? Um, Let's start at the top of your list because that's the order I open things in. 
Excellent. Is this the rumour or is this the... Uh... I don't know, I've got a new list now. Oh, oh, the Epic Games. Epic Games. Let's start there. This was really interesting. I, I find this very interesting. The lengths to which companies will go to do certain things a certain way. So, because I can see it and Andy can see it, but you love the listeners that are listening to our wonderful podcast can't, I will read the title of the article. So, Epic will lose over $300 million on Epic Game Store exclusives, and they're absolutely fine with it. That's the title of the articles. And in a nutshell, it's that basically they've set up their games launcher and to offer three games out as a way of publicizing what they're doing. And they don't care that they're losing money through the platform, through giving away three games. Because um, potentially, so what happens there is they, they will buy uh, a game uh, in terms of like publishing and like uh, putting it in their store, and then they will give it away for free. So they've paid the, the development company a sum of money to be able to give their game away for free. And so the the kind of the game devs don't lose out, but Epic do because they're then giving it away for free. Uh, and they don't mind that because they want people to use the Epic Game Store and that generates income through things like when you go on there, you'll see that Fortnite's there, you might download it and play it spend a bit of money on V-Bucks or whatever, and then move on. Now, if everyone that you, everyone that's a gamer in the world did that, and they'd be rolling in it, and it turns out a lot of people do that, and they are rolling in it. So to us, 300 million sounds ridiculous. However, I would love to see up-to-date numbers on how much Fortnite, how much money Fortnite makes every day. <laughs> yeah, and I guess it's the whole... Well, I guess two points really, isn't it? You know, when we talk about losing money, it's not it's not like if we lost money, right? If we lost money, it would be like, oh, where did that money go? It's oh, I didn't spend that money wisely. That's that's gone now. This is money mm. that could have earned that they purposely chose not to earn that money because in the long run, they get people hooked in and spending. I guess arguably more money in different ways. Yeah, and that's not to mention that kind of the Epic Games launcher, um, which is losing all this money because it's given lots of games away free to try and get you to use it. Um, it it's kind of a saturated market anyway, in that everyone's trying to do that now. So there are lots of games launchers out there, and equally the ones that are good at it, Steam, for instance, um, have been doing it for a very very long time and so as with anything um if people are used to using a certain platform especially gamers seem to be very habitual in nature they're going to keep using steam they're going to want to use steam all their games are there they don't want to have to open 50 50 games launchers from 50 different gaming platforms to to play their games they want everything on steam to the point where i know for a fact that gamers out there that are pc gamers will wait for something to be available on Steam before they play it. And if it's not available on Steam, they're not playing it. So this is a way uh, Epic Games has decided to invest in their own games launcher. And this is a way to kind of incentivize it by offering free games. Um, that's obviously come at a cost. However, like Andy said, it, 300 million to us sounds like an astronomical amount of money to lose on something. However, the amount of money they make um, Kind of, this is a really small drop in the ocean. 
um, for them as a company in general. And they've probably worked out that it's worth, at least now, it's worth it to try and get more traffic through their their game launcher. Indeed. Um, I just thought it was, I just, I see numbers like that and I, and I just, I'm continually staggered and taken back by how much money is in gaming now. Well, it's a different world, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we've gone beyond, we've gone beyond football money. That's all my mind. My mind is always like, football's obviously known for like crazy amounts of money get transferred in transfers and like, players are worth stupid amounts of money they get stupid amounts of wages i feel like once something goes beyond that it's it's gone beyond crazy <laughs> it's into like i don't even know what my brain really thinks about the amounts of money that are involved in gaming now as an industry um the amount of money that games make there was more stats and figures came out recently about uh the mobile like apps uh, like that, how much that generates over kind of like PC gaming and console gaming. And it, I think console gaming up to this point has earned around $36 billion uh, up to this point in the year. Uh, mobile gaming has earned $76, 79000000000 billion. So it, it, Jeez, it is basically laughing at console and PC gaming. Crazy, <laughs> this yes. is crazy amount of money. Yeah, it, it's... It, 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 if you make an app, I mean, this is, and this is the kind of the other side of gaming is that people feel like now gaming, like companies that own kind of the oversight of kind of gaming. So not like the, not the kind of game devs, but the more the publishers and the people at the top, like the business people at the top of gaming um, are more interested in hearing about really great ideas for mobile games um, because you, if it's a good game or you can manage to get people to, buy into it there's so many more mobile phones on the planet now and so the the kind of if you nail it and you get the formula right one game will literally change everything for a company mm. yeah, there's well, that much money like uh, it's, it's it's staggering yeah yeah um, so lesson number one for today is 300 million epic games yeah they don't really care they're okay with, with quote-unquote losing it yeah, I guess can can, can we jump on to the uh, bit about education? We can because I kind of feel like we kind of started to touch on it. You know, when we're talking about the amount of money that is involved with video games and video game playing, and I guess particularly over the last year. And mm. as a side note. One could argue that uh, there's more people playing video games over the last 12 months because of obvious reasons known as COVID-19. But uh, there was a press release I heard about earlier on today that talked about people's saving habits and how people have, how some people have been able to be in a position where they're able to save more uh, than they normally would have done or at all over the last 12 months and I think 75 I think the figure was 75% of people who've started to save over that time want to keep the same habit going mm. so therefore I would suggest that just because it might be in a, like a pandemic thing or started during COVID-19 or started during 2020 
that does not mean that these things will go away. Which now I've got off my soapbox. Um, saw an interesting article uh, on the Evening Standard. Mm. Uh, not a website I generally go to. I don't know what led me here. But it seems that more than half of children think gaming should be included in the school curriculum and would like to see extracurricular esports competitions hosted by their school or college. A survey uh, of 13 to 18 year olds carried out by game, okay, uh, uh, carried out by gaming accessories firm. So, all right, they've got a vested interest here. And the majority of young people uh, believe gaming is a path to a future career. For example, as a professional gamer, which, when we talk about the amount of money involved, why not? Yeah, it's it's, it's big, 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 big business now. Um, and it would be, I think, at this point, uh, foolish of schools to not engage with it, just because I think... Um, Lots of young people have aspirations now of converting something that was in the past just a hobby into something that is potentially um, a career, which they will go on to do for the rest of their lives. And, and if if we don't provide a safe, welcoming environment for mm. children to experience it, then they will go elsewhere to mm. do that. And we can't... Online is a scary place and there it isn't really as much as the competitions and the organizations involved will have kind of rules and regulations attached. Um, unfortunately, like the public part of it, like the I'm at home and I'm gaming at home on my own part of it isn't regulated uh, apart from, you know, self-regulated by yourself, obviously. Um, and so do we want our young people piling into online chats and online communities that aren't regulated um, to get what they need to feel like they can kind of flourish in that setting or would we would we like it to be regulated by schools and give them a safe place to um engage with that hobby and interest now this is this is yeah, not me saying options, isn't it? yeah uh, yeah absolutely you're right it's about options it's about having the choice uh and also having a positive voice in something is always really really important um I have nothing against kind of, I'm a gamer. So, you know, of course I will pop into like a uh, LFG uh, that's full of, you know, people I've never met before and trying to complete kind of multiplayer online activities. And you're rolling the dice as to who you'll get in your group, whether they're helpful or friendly or whether they're not. Um, and I don't have a problem with that. And, and if you don't want to be a part of that side of gaming, you don't have to be, but, that's a conversation we should be having as adults that are gamers. Mm. We should be having that conversation with younger people that want to get into gaming and, and, and helping them to understand the implications of it. Because quite often as well with that comes with kind of esports is that a lot of those people will stream yeah. or make YouTube content outside of kind of their esports competitions as a way of generating more stable income attached to kind of their esports. Because they need to practice, right? And yeah. why not stream that while you're doing it? Like the, the amount of hours they put into some of this stuff to be as good as they are is mind boggling. There's like, there's houses now that esports teams will buy houses and put all their teams in the houses together and they'll live together and kind of work together and like game together. And like, if you got Rocket League, 
live on BBC One or whatever it was, sorry, whatever mainstream channel it was on. Yeah. God, you know, it's, yeah. It, it, I, I, I guess where my head's going to is if it's the sort of thing where we wouldn't be surprised if an Olympic team did something like that, then... Which they do, obviously, you know, if there's Olympics going on, the athletes live in Athletes Village and they live together in the same houses and accommodation. Yeah. Yeah, we, wouldn't, we shouldn't be surprised to hear that people involved in video gaming is involved in this. Yeah. One quote from this article I saw and I really wanted to share was, um, children understand how vast and exciting the gaming industry is. Are children engaged with drama and music at school? Why not video gaming? Yeah, and I think that's a perfectly legitimate question for children to ask. Like, why aren't we? What, especially if we're thinking extracurricular as well. Yeah. So, like, this is this isn't added on to it. Um, I don't see why schools aren't looking to see if organisations out there would like to come into their schools and provide such a service for them. Hint, hint. Um, right, and I, why, I, why organizations like <laughs> and why organizations like ourselves aren't kind of putting things together to speak into this space? Because I think me and Andy would both coming from youth advocacy, we would much rather be in the schools doing it in a positive, friendly, engaging way than hearing than having to deal with and hear stories of how it's damaged and and had negative effects on young people that we then end up kind of helping them with because there was no early intervention in making it a positive thing in someone's life. We, we spend our days helping young people to rebuild and put back together things because things have gone wrong. So why would we not be better at being preventative? And if this is a way to do that by engaging young people in a positive way about something they're passionate about earlier on, um, then I'm all for it. Yeah. Like I'd much rather stop, like, you know, as much as, you know, it's our jobs to kind of be with young people when, and then help them through whatever it is, whatever issues they're going through. I'm all for kind of prevention being better than the cure. 100%. Even though we work in your side. Time, I'd much rather work and do something ridiculously boring somewhere because there isn't enough young people out there there isn't enough mm. cause for what it is that we do. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah I would, I would, I would, what's wrong hundred percent. I would happily be out of work if it meant that young people didn't need the service that we provide Sounds every day. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe. One last word is please, you know, yeah. If you are in a position of responsibility in a young person's life, in a child's life, and that young person happens to be playing computer games a lot of the time, please keep listening to this podcast. We love you. And we get that this isn't something that you may not necessarily know and understand and therefore it might be hmm. a bit weird to you so please keep listening to our podcast and hopefully you know we'll dispel 
some of the worries. Hopefully we can dispel some of the myths, dispel some of the things that may concern you and hopefully inform you as well. In, yeah, in I mean, hopefully one day we'll have information for you guys on groups and activities, workshops around gaming and digital content for your young people and children to come to. Like that's our goal is that actually we know we're being a little bit kind of hyperbolic with some of this stuff. <laughs> um, we know we, we know that there's a need and we know that there's a want for this stuff and we would want nothing more than to provide that. And so we, we are trying to negotiate that and to see how that would work out in reality. Just that COVID came at a really good time because now we're thinking about it more than we were before, but bad time because we can't do anything about any of the things we've thought about because it's COVID times. So it, it, we're in a catch-22 is that we've realized that there is a need for positive role models in this space for young people. We are passionate about it and want to do something about it. Unfortunately, we're still in a pandemic and can't really do much aside from things like this. So, we have so gone so far off scripts, Zach. Yeah, I know, we have. This will be that bit you cut out later. <laughs> Although I think it's good, so I don't know. Maybe we'll keep it in. It anyway. I think, to be blunt with you, we've been talking far too much in order to find a nice easy way to cut it out, even if I wanted to. Great. Well, that means that moving on to the next thing, E3. Okay. Talk to me about E3, please. E3 is has been and may not be for much longer, is the big yearly gaming expo. Um, it's kind of where all the latest and greatest game developers take their game to show off to the gaming industry, um, whether that's publishers or media, um, to say, here's my game, please someone publish it, or here's my game, please write really cruel stories about it, or here's my game, I just need people to look at it and to want to play it. Uh, and it used to be kind of exclusively for kind of uh, exclusively like it used to be an in-person event where only media and game companies were allowed. So it used to be very exclusive. And so the part that the public were able to engage with was like online videos. Like they'd release some of the, yeah. they'd do big showcases that highlighted all the best yeah. things in gaming. Yeah, absolutely. And over the last few years before the pandemic, they opened it to the public. So it became like a show floor where you could go and, and be part of it. And then um, when the pandemic happened, they moved it online. And now they're saying that at least for this year, they're going to run it online again. And so there's been a feeling in the gaming world that it it has kind of stopped being what it was and, what, and, and how it celebrated gaming. And, and now it's turned into something very, very different to the point where Sony don't really come anymore and they do their own thing near the time and may or may not do. And I think the benefits of big gaming companies being there and doing a showcase um, has decreased over time, especially recently, and especially in light of the fact that people realize that they can do it by themselves online and they'll still get the numbers of people watching it because of things like you, online streaming and online videos has kind of exploded hmm. recently uh, over the last kind of three, four, five years. And so there isn't a need for a big in-person event anymore because you can reach far more people with a really good online presentation than you ever could through. Is this almost like the decentralization of gaming information? Yeah, that's a really great way to put it because it was, it was kind of centered around kind of conventions 
And so the biggest of the gaming conventions was E3, but then there was lots of like uh, kind of smaller kind of Comic-Con level kind of things that would move around America. And there was one in, I think there was one in Australia um, called Paxes. Um, Paxes were like smaller co- kind of convent gaming conventions and they would move around America. And I think there was one in Australia and the, there might have been one in London as well. And it moved around. And, and I think there was one maybe in Germany. And then they used to move around. I think Gamescon is in Germany. So it's just like a small game. So it was very, it was very kind of convention heavy. And like, and if you had a game, you'd go to every single one to publicize it because it was the yeah. best way of getting it in people's faces before releasing it, right? If you needed kind of people to help you out with the financial side of it or a publisher to help publish your game, this is what you do. Um, but I think things are changing and I think it's a very bittersweet moment because E3 used to be huge. I used to love like what's going to come out. I can't wait for the we're watching the presentations. Like it's going to be amazing. Um, to now it's like, I wonder if all the companies are going to go and if they don't go, I wonder when they're going to release their content. Nintendo do a kind of a little thing every few months now. So they don't do a huge, big, here's everything all at once. They kind of space it out over the year. Um, Xbox have been kind of, pressing the the pedal to the floor in terms of like their social media is just through game pass. Cause there's always a game pass announcement. Like they've decided that that's the best way to kind of push things is through their social media accounts. And so mm. it's become less and less about this big kind of showcase event in the summer um, to the point where now, like the, some of the games, it's underwhelming sometimes. Like, well, you'll sit, you'll watch it and you go, yeah, none of those games really grabbed me. And then a few months later, you'll hear this big new announcement. You're like, well, why didn't you save that for E3? Or why didn't you wait? Or like, it, yeah, it's just be- become less of a thing. And I'm, part of me is sad because I, I used to really look forward to that week of like just gaming announcements and get excited for it. And it used to be like really like highly produced and like really, really good content because it used to be the only way that people were going to get out there and, and get oh, yeah, their, their trailer scene, right? It was the big thing. Yeah. I'm not imagining it, am I? E3 has been around for decades. Yeah, it's it's a very, very kind of... Uh, I don't know if this article mentions when it first started, but yeah, it's... Um, yeah, 1995 was when it started. So it's it's been around for, for a long time now. Yeah. I just think this is quite sad. It, I was I was feeling very kind of... Part of me likes that now we get more regular gaming announcements and they're given to us in many different ways. Mm. Um, but part of me also likes waiting for, for like this big event every year. Um, and I just, it just, yeah, all the kind of... I guess that's the thing, like the pandemic has forced companies to think of different ways to communicate information to us and... Um, it's expensive to go to E3. It's not expensive to put a video on YouTube. Wait, is it different or is it just taking advantage of what's already there and just pivoting a little? Yeah, I think I think uh, smaller companies, especially like um, I was listening to a different podcast about gaming. Not to, I won't mention it by name because obviously this is ours and we don't want to publicize someone else's podcast. Yeah, don't go anywhere else. But, um, but um, I was listening to another podcast. They were talking about this very same thing, and they were like. Um, it costs an arm and a leg for a small video game company to get a booth at E3. And the costs haven't changed when they moved online. Oh, wow. So it, it's as expensive to get your game to be in a trailer or to be advertised as part of an online E3 than it was in person. 
And so I think a lot of people in the video game company, video game industry that are smaller studios that are trying to get mm-hmm. their video games out there, there are better avenues to do that than E3 now um, and more cost-effective ways to do that. Um, and so E3 is kind of, doesn't really know, I think they got the, the guys over there that, that run it, don't really know what it is that they're trying to do. And whilst they figure it out, there are better ways for small companies and other companies that can't foot the cost of how much it is to, to attend E3 to do somewhere else to the point where, you know, whether it's through something like um, going to Xbox and saying, you know, can, will you put our game out on game pass and like, can we make a deal around it? And then going that route, which a lot of small games do now, it's like, we'll forego kind of, there's a risk there because obviously to be on game pass and it may be, it may have been your game might have been massive and made astronomically more money, but, mm companies that want their game to get out there and to make money will take a deal from Microsoft to be on Game Pass over kind of the risk of like not knowing and maybe then paying loads of money to go to E3 in the hopes that you get noticed. Mm. So, so it's just one of those things. I thought it was interesting that, that kind of E3 is the flagship kind of gaming expo and it doesn't really know what to do when, the, when it can't have an in-person event. Um, and now a lot of kind of... It's almost reassuring though, isn't it? You know, you've got an, an organisation, you've got an event like E3, who, let's face it, the people behind E3, they know what they're doing. They know how to make money. They know how to run a massive, massive event. But then someone comes along, and even they don't know what to do. Mm. Reassures yeah. me and, on, and it, on the days when it all goes wrong. <laughs> you know? It, and it had, been, it had been happening. Yeah. It had been a slow decline, but the pandemic definitely pushed it over the edge. Um, mm. There'd already been kind of splinter things and break-offs. Um, like I said, Sony hadn't attended for as a thing for a little bit before this as well. And so there was already rumblings that the gaming landscape, at least, was changing in terms of how we get information about games. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, this is just another kind of move that kind of hasn't quite worked out for them. When I feel like they could have made it into something amazing the idea that they're so keen to get back to a physical event that they don't really know what to do about their online stuff um and that the, the idea that they're still charging companies the same as like a physical space mm. i don't know how like i get they've got to make money it's a massive event events have to make money to be able to be an event but the cost of putting an online event on is so much smaller <laughs> so i i don't know i find that a bit kind of i get why people are kind of looking for other ways to do things now i think the people who've really worked well over the last 12 months have been people who've taken what they would have done in person gone online and scrapped a load of the in-person stuff and thought all right we're not got things in person anymore what are we going to do different as opposed to as to as opposed to trying to you know copy the in-person stuff online because yeah yeah and i think then it shows because i think a lot of these a lot of these places in america especially said they were doing an in-person event only to reverse like said oh they cancelled last year's because obviously it was kind of mid-pandemic like when it's been its worst and then said oh we'll be back in 2021 and then they've had they've they've said and we're going to do an in-person event in 2021 and then realized actually the pandemic's not going anywhere soon and then had to reverse that decision as well And i think that's quite telling of the, the the kind of people's ignorance to what's going on around them in terms of the pandemic, but also that it shows that like they don't, they didn't, they never bought into this idea that 
now was a really good time to try things differently. They were just really, really keen to rush it back to how it was before. Mm. Uh, and maybe they should have just stepped back and said, actually, how can we put on a really great thing online for people and invest in that rather than just trying to rush back to put on a physical in-person event at the, the danger of the people that would have attended those things. Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con, this is a slight tangent, said, oh yeah, we'll definitely do an in-person event this year, only to then days later have to reverse their decision and say, actually, probably do it online because people will come and people will put themselves in danger to attend things like this. And so it's it's organization's responsibility to say, actually, we're not probably going to do that because that's ridiculous in light of like still the numbers that come out of America every day about how bad the pandemic is still over there compared to like our compared to the UK where we are. Um, the idea that a company would think, oh, yeah, we'll just do an in-person event and we'll sell tickets for it is ridiculous. Zach, I feel we, we need to move on um, before, you know, we lose all our listeners and viewers. and Because yeah. there's two more things I'd like to flag up really quickly. Um, mm. But I don't know what to go with first. Do you go with a rumour or the comments from a nintendo president i mean i don't mind you know what let's go with the nintendo president who has been he gets interviewed about lots of stuff and obviously um recently he has explained ways well, he's, he's been talking about you know animal crossing and how it's been the smashish the smash of smash hits um, starting to challenge Mario Kart 8 for Switch's biggest selling title. Um, he's talked about um, Animal Crossing helping people to stay at home. And I'm just going to read his, his quote here, which is, it's true that our recent growth has stemmed from the need for people to stay at home. Even though Japan's state of emergency is over, people are spending more time at home than before. As games with long lifespans with Animal Crossing become more accepted, we believe this will have a significant impact on future development. We want to provide games that can allow communication between friends and families. Now, NintendoLife.com, who I've grabbed this article off, have gone on to basically daydream a little Hmm. um, and gone on to suggest things like maybe, you know, the next Zelda Breath of the Wild game, could that have an optional online co-op as a result, you know? Are we going to see more games where may not necessarily be the sole point of the game, but there may be an option to work with someone else on the game, online, not in person, but together at the same time. Yeah, I mean, we only we don't have to look far to look at the kind of the Pokemon games that are coming out in the next mm-hmm. year-ish. Um, there's a remaster of Pearl and Diamond, and there's also the online one, the online Pokemon game. Pokemon's never been online before, but they're they're doing it. They're taking out a step and making it a on, more online experience, a more open-world online kind of thing. Because I think there's definitely, if done right, um, kind of, and this has been the the kind of 
the burn of contention with a game like Destiny and Destiny 2, where they've they've always maintained that they want to give you reasons to play every day. There's a benefit for them to have gamers going to their game every single day. And so mm-hmm. their, their tension is between making content good and kind of worth playing, but also what that looks like when you're trying to deliver one-off really cool experiences and also a reason for someone to come back and load the game up every single day. And so what takes priority? Like in game development, they're they're two very different things. Like having repeatable activities you can do every day that are engaging and fun and you want to do versus one big offset piece raids or kind of dungeons or kind of story events, um, which take more time to develop. So that's why they're more infrequent, but they won't. So then because they're more infrequent, that can't be the thing that brings people back every day. But there is definitely value in having an element in your game that does bring people back every day above and beyond kind of the hanging out with your mates mm. um people game developers want their game to be the the game that you, you you're playing every day um and and i guess a lot of that is the value is kind of seen in the fact that if they have some kind of monetization um in the background is that if you're hanging out there every single day sometimes you'll buy stuff like <laughs> like if you go to a coffee shop every day and you only buy one cup of coffee some days you'll buy a muffin as well. Yeah. So that it's the same thing in gaming. If you play the game every single day and you bought the game once and there is microtransactions in the background, some days you'll just play the game and some days you'll maybe spend five pounds on buying that skin that you've wanted for a while. Hmm. Fortnite nails that. That's, that's just everything that they do. I was um, waiting to say. Yeah, absolutely. But And so I can see why the Nintendo president, he's called Bowser, right? I'm not making that up now. It was it was it was Reggie, and Reggie was cool. But now it's he's called Bowser, right? His last name's Bowser. Uh, I'm I'm terrible with. I'm sure it is. I'm sure the head of Nintendo America is called even going to something Bowser. Um, um, in some strange I'm going to turn of like reality. I'm sure it is. I'll get his full name up here. Uh, U.S. Nintendo Director. That's the Japanese guy. Yeah, the American guy's last name, I'm sure, is Bowser, which I think is which I think is. That's not who. Yes, I know, but I, I, I can, I, my brain immediately went to his name's Doug Bowser, okay, and he's the he's the American version of the of the the he's the American head of Nintendo, basically. He's called Doug Bowser, and I think that's amazing. I just want to shout that out as like. The biggest irony ever is that he's called Bowser, right? And obviously, Bowser's a huge character in Mario. Um, and we may mention Bowser in a minute in a different after in the pre-show about or the post-show or whatever it is. I know that you wrote something in down about Bowser. Oh, but I, I think this is a great link here. Is like Doug Bowser. What a great name for someone that works at Nintendo, especially as high up as he is. Um, what one last thing, one last thing, and it might appeal to you as someone who has a switch and your love of um, Game Pass is legendary. It is. Uh, so apparently... Um, Are they doing Game Pass? Are they doing a Game uh, Pass? Wait for it. <laughs> the head of Xbox has appeared in a Microsoft stream. And in that yep. stream, he has a shelf. Behind a him. Shelf. Like, behind you know... Him. Behind me, yeah, you can either see Doctor Who uh, CDs or you can see 
Oh, I dread to think what, what's in that box behind me. Um, but in the past, he's, he's used his shelf to kind of tease future Xbox he does. prizes. He had an Xbox Series X on there for ages and no one noticed. And other people have done similar. In a recent one, he has had a Nintendo Switch on his shelf. No way it's a coincidence. Is the head of Xbox <laughs> having a switch on the shelf that he knows people will talk about. It could be a great debate, though. It could just be like, I'm sucking you in. There's nothing happening. He could just really like Nintendo Switch, which is fine. It, it could be nothing. Oh, it's going to be something, though, isn't it? Could be something. How would that work? How would, how would Game Pass work on Nintendo Cloud Switch? Gaming. Yeah, but... Cloud gaming. That's how it works. Not all the games available on Game Pass would be available on Game Pass Nintendo, though. Like, it'd have to be a tailored. Oh, but if I already pay for it, would I? Hmm, if I already pay for Game Pass Ultimate, would I then get it on Nintendo as well? Would it be an app that I download and just sign into? I would suggest so. That would be amazing. It, it, it would be based. Oh, it'd be based. Why would you not have Game Pass then? Even you would have to get Game Pass. Yeah, exactly. You know, it'd be like Stadia, uh, the cloud gaming. Um, yeah, Netflix, they'd stream the like big AAA games, games and then the other games that you can download uh, and handle on the Switch. It would it be could. massive if this was It'd true. It'd be huge. It'd, It'd be, be huge. Huge. I mean, Nintendo that would sell that would sell systems. That's a system seller. We we in those of you that don't know what that means is that sometimes um, people will ask, "Oh, is it worth buying a PlayStation Five or is it worth buying an Xbox?" And then people will say, "Well, it's worth it for this." thing that you can only get in that place this is the kind of thing that people will buy switches for it's a bit like how people buy laptops to use word processing and things like that or to browse the internet or how back in the day people would buy the game boy to play tetris yeah it's it's something that will sell the, the the it's a software thing that will sell hardware essentially is what we're saying here and people will buy nintendo switches to access Game Pass, if in a in a kind of handheld capacity, because mm. um, at the moment I can do cloud gaming through. Um, in fact, it makes sense now to have the Xbox Game Pass app launch on Nintendo because I can launch it on my tablet now. But don't because I'm like, why would I want to do that? It's weird. It's cumbersome. I got to get a controller and attach it through Bluetooth. Um, on the Nintendo Switch, it makes a hundred percent sense. It's, it's already there. there. Oh, so, I did not think about the implications of this. That would be huge. So, how much money will Nintendo have paid Xbox to get a bit of that? We've oh. massively ran on today. We have. If you're here with us still, thank you very thank much. You. We've talked gaming in schools. We've talked E3. We've talked Microsoft Switch rumors. We've talked how lots of money isn't really that much money, but Epic want your eyeballs. Is that a good way to? Sure. They just want, they just want you looking at the app launches yeah. on the PC. Yes. Zach, help me out here. Guys, this has been yet another episode of skill check podcast from ymsa exeter 
I've been Zach, he's been Andy, and it's been a pleasure as always. You can find Skillcheck on every good podcast provider. Search Skillcheck and you'll find us. If you'd like to kind of, that sounds like, you know, a bit of a stress, then just go to our website, ymcxer.org.uk, and we're right there on the homepage, and you can follow that link, and it'll take you straight to our anchor page, which where you can listen to us right there, just a few clicks away. And if you want to get in contact with us and share your thoughts, uh, your questions, or your comments uh, about the podcast with us, then you can do that at, by emailing us, response at ymcxer.org.uk, and we will get those messages, and we... Yeah, we'll read them and, and kind of look at them and, and 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 take that information in. And we'd love to hear from you guys about kind of all the things you have to say about the podcast and those kinds of things. We'd love to hear from you. Um, this has been Skill Check Podcast, and we will see you all next time. Pressing stop now. <laughs>